Mirrors show us things that we want to see, <laughs> sometimes things that we don't. Um, they can show us things that are real, and they can also distort things. If you think of carnivals <coughs> and the funny uh, mirrors that you can make you look really tall and short and just change the way your face looks and things like that. Uh, so mirrors can do uh, a variety of different things. But if you've tried on clothes in a store and you go up and you're trying to see if something fits or how it works, have the multiple mirrors and gives you different perspectives on, on what the situation is. So we'll be walking a little bit through some mirrors today. Um, Jesus shares with us in our sermon passage from Matthew this parable about the kingdom of heaven. So let's read. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call his workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first <clears throat> will be last. All right, so let's dive in. <laughs> uh, we want to notice a few things before we, before we go too far. So we're talking about uh, day labor, so people who rely each day on being hired for work to receive wages for that day to provide whatever they need to provide for their families. Uh, and and in the morning, as he, as he hired the first people, they agreed on a wage, which other versions of the Bible say was a denarius, which is basically the day's, uh, the day's wage. In each of the times the landowner went out into the village or into the town, the people were idle. They weren't doing anything. They were just waiting, um, whether it was first thing in the morning, at noon, at 3, at 5, at 9 a.m. too, standing idle but not doing anything. There was the agreed upon amount for the day's work. But you notice how he keeps going through the day, uh, whether he was intentionally going to find more workers because there's so much more work to be done yeah, or was there with other things, but knowing that the work, even as we were working yesterday, there's always, there's still more work to be done. Um, and he would, would bring the people in uh, into his vineyard and had them and had them take part. And so there's, but with looking at the kingdom, there's always more work to do yeah. in the kingdom as we try and bring, is help him, or he uses us 
to bring his kingdom to this world where we are. The question in the world around us, if we think about our places, uh, in our classrooms, in our workplaces, our homes, our communities, the ball fields, are we standing idle in those places? So in the end, uh, he gives a day's wage to each person who took part. So whether they worked an hour, whether they worked five hours, eight hours, I don't know how long the longest worked, maybe 10, it was early in the morning to when the sun goes down, because it's not like they're lights out in the fields or anything like that. Um, but he paid them the same, this agreed upon wage for the days. And on the surface, this parable seems to be about comparison and envy. And it's about more than that, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to, to talk about this piece a little bit, because there's just part of our human nature where we, we engage in comparison and competitiveness, and we may be contented with one thing in the moment, the wage uh, the workers agreed in the morning, that they would work the full day in the sun doing the work that he gave them for a denarius. But then when things changed, then their perspective on what they were satisfied with changed. So Michael and I were shopping the other night, Friday night, and it was kind of late when we were getting dinner. It was about 7.30, so we pulled into Monty's hoping we could grab a sandwich, and they literally were sold out because it was a, the, the Barstool Sports guy had done, had done this, um, uh, done a review of their pizza, and they were like literally sold out of all of their pizza, all of their sandwiches, <laughs> all of their salad, 30 minutes before they closed. So, oh, so we went into this place down the street, it's an Ananias, and they make great sandwiches and things like that. So picked my sandwich, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a grilled chicken. Um, and as I'm standing there, I'm watching them make somebody else's order before us. And they had this chicken chopped up on the grill, and it was all, it was, it was cooked up really nicely. It looked really good and juicy. And then they laid it on this tortilla with this crunchy looking lettuce and the Caesar salad, or the Caesar dressing and cheese. And I'm like, that looks so good. So suddenly I was like, I want their sandwich. <laughs> so just that, just that little thing, like I was perfectly content with my sandwich. And as I watched them make it, I'm like, I wish I had that sandwich. I wish that's the one that I ordered. I'm coming back, and that's the sandwich that I'm going to get next time. And the people came in to pick up their sandwich. I'm like, is that yours? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I've been coveting your sandwich. <laughs> uh, but how, and that's just a simple example of how we can be content with something, and then something shifts. And we're like, oh, 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 oh but, 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 but that. And that's what was happening here. So I think a question for us to, to reflect on is, what are we looking to for satisfaction in our lives? How are we defining whether we're content or not? And this causes us to ask ourselves, does what we want change based on something else that we see or something else that someone else might be experiencing? You know, so whether it's walking in and seeing somebody else's sandwich, <laughs> or something on social media, or a family member, or a colleague, or something experiences something, and suddenly um, there's a shift then, this discontent brews in us. So just thinking about where, where we anchor that contentedness. So we'll move on. What this parable is actually um, addressing is is he's looking at the kingdom of God. It's not money paid for a wage or something that, that we earn, but it's actually God's grace and forgiveness given to all. 
whether we've been lifelong Christians or coming in at the very at the very end. And so we'll talk about that and what Jesus is doing here. I'm going to see if I can get this higher. Um, what Jesus is doing here is showing us how the kingdom turns upside down all of the things that we take for granted and the rules that we operate under uh, and that we hold others to. So the full day laborers, again, who at first were grateful, then became resentful that they got what they agreed to get because somebody else got more for less work and it didn't seem, it didn't seem fair. Uh, so what might our attitude have been? They complained um, and then the owner challenged them. He's like, is it not my right to be generous? Is this not what we agreed to before? Um, is it not my right to do what I want with what I have? But it didn't feel fair to them. And so the question is, are there people in our world and in our circles that we question whether they deserve God's mercy or not? picks up a little bit on last week's uh, on last week's passage and we'll we'll go into um, we just need to remember that we don't earn God's grace so the parable does talk about work and your what you're earning for a day but the parable is speaking to uh, speaking to the kingdom and the forgiveness and the grace that we receive from God freely without earning it but we sometimes can judge other people mm -hmm. based on what we feel like we deserve, or we define our own self-righteousness, mm -hmm. or our own, we're a good Christian, we do whatever. Mm -hmm. is, and the question is just, is that an issue that we may or may not wrestle with? Maybe we don't. Maybe we do and we don't know it. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But he calls us to live and love around the world. Um, but we want to be sure that we're not measuring our goodness and our salvation and the grace that we receive from him based on what we do for him. What we right. serving out of love for him and loving people in his name is a response. Um, it's a response that we do, but it's not what we do to earn his love and his grace. Mm -hmm. So we may wonder if this parable is to share our perspective on his grace and forgiveness to all. Then why didn't Jesus just give us a parable on his mercy, which actually he did last week. So he's giving us a different perspective. So he's giving us a mirror from a different angle to look at the same issue. Because when we, he, took, he takes something that he knows is true about human nature, how we can be competitive, how we can feel, well, it's not fair because we did this and we got this and we should get that because they got that. So he's using, he's again, he speaks to us in different ways. And so he's giving us a different angle to look at this same situation and how we see others and how we um, how we extend God's mercy to them and how what our attitudes are. We know that in Proverbs says, "Guard your heart, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. All that we do flows from what is in my heart." And with that question, you know, didn't. They didn't feel like others should be able to receive the same as, as they had. So as we live to grow in our faith and receive his forgiveness and love, the Holy Spirit grows us in awareness and self-awareness. And so the question for us, is there anybody that we know who we feel resentful or feel like they're not deserving 
of God's mercy, whether it's a person or a people. And if we do, it's something we want to take to God. So our lectionary this week also includes a passage from Jonah that we didn't read, but we're going to use part of it. Um, and I think we'll eventually have it up on the screen. So those of you, many of you are probably familiar with the story of Jonah. So Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was a prophet. Boop, boop. Sorry, it's a veggie tale song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so Jonah was a prophet, and God called him to go to Nineveh, mm-hmm. and so a town where sinful people were rebelling, they were pagan worship, like you name it, they were doing it. Really awful in terms of sin and what they were what they were doing and believing. And so, and Jonah was like, they don't receive, they don't deserve to receive. God's mercy. God was sending him to warn them that he was going to destroy them if they didn't, if they didn't figure, it, figure it out and change, change their ways. And so he, just, he goes, Nineveh's this way, he goes that way, he boards a ship to Tar- Tarshish, and then, once to, and then um, while he's on this ship, God brings a storm, and so all this very long story, uh, but they end up realizing it's Jonah, he's like, you're going to have to throw me overboard, and then they're wrestling with, well, we don't want your death on our hands. But so they do. They throw him overboard, and the storm immediately ceases. Um, and the one thing we don't want to miss here is Jonah then get well. We know that Jonah it then gets swallowed by a whale or a big fish, depending on which, uh, which version you read. But the people on the ship, when the storm stopped, realized God's power and began worshiping God. I'm like, that's pretty amazing. So don't want to miss that there were those people that came to believe because of that. Anyway, so Jonah's in, Jonah's in the big fish for three days. And then God has him spit Jonah out on the shore. So we, yeah. <laughs> so Jonah decides to relent, and he goes to Nineveh, and he gives them the warning. Um, he gives them God's warning, and the people receive it. And they repent, and they change their ways, and they, they start to fast and pray and put on sackcloth from the, from the, 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 the regular people, the lowly people, um, all the way up to the king, um, the entire city turns and we're like we are sorry we're turning to you God and away from our sin and so here's where the lectionary picks up so when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry Mm -hmm. he complained to the Lord about it didn't I say (laughs) before I left home that you would do this Lord that's why I ran away because I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God slow to get angry like our psalm that you read for us this morning um, and filled with unfailing love you're eager to turn back from destroying people just kill me now Lord I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen he wanted to see these people destroyed um, because he didn't think that they deserved God's love. So the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And he doesn't answer, but then Jonah goes out and he sets up a little um, shelter to sit under, and he just wants to watch and see, and he's stewing, he's so <laughs> mad. There are these children's books when our guys were little called little critters. Um, there's one book that says, I was so mad, and that's what kind of what was. was so mad. Um, he was, so he's sitting, he's just waiting to see what's going to happen. Um, and uh, so God brings God causes plant to spring up, but it like, grows overnight and creates this wonderful shade uh, over Jonah to provide him some relief from the heat. And then the next day, God sends a worm that comes and eats through it, and then the plant withers. And then Jonah responds again. <laughs> Let me find where it is. Hold on. I'm paraphrasing. Um, 
So, so withered away, and as the sun grew hot, God, arra God arranged a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, said Jonah, even angry enough to die. And here's the takeaway. The Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, but you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Mm -hmm. So Nineveh received the message. They repented. God relented. God doesn't want to destroy his people. Um, and they turned, and Jonah is just livid. And it's easy to look at this story like, well, I'm never going to run the other way when you tell me to go this way, God, and I'm never going to, you know. But it paints a picture. It gives us a different perspective um, on the issue. He's so frustrated. And this, he, so this passage captures the conversation and some of the takeaways I want us to think about from this story of Jonah, Jonah felt like he deserved God's love and mercy. I am good. I am a prophet. I do these things. But those sinful people don't deserve it. So who are those? Are there, is there anybody in our life that we have those attitudes about? Um, and then there's the plant, right? The plant that was alive and then dead. And he has all this compassion for the plant. But there's also something else about that plant. The, the, live, the, the life of the plant was advantageous to Jonah, right? It was providing him mm -hmm. some relief. So there's like a double-edged, or I guess a, a, a two-pronged two um, anger, righteous anger that he's feeling about, why did you kill this plant? It was just a plant, um, but it also was providing something for him, like the what's in it for me. So um, what this passage is doing for me is causing me to assess what are my internal motivations? What are yours? Um, he's, you know, God, search our hearts and show us what you see. So what does this mean for our lives? Just this collection of passages. And the, these passages together provide a mirror um, with multiple perspectives that we can see through. Kind of like the fitting room and you stand and you're looking you know, from the different angles. Does this fit? Does it work? Um, like Paul, the scripture speaks about um, scripture being like a mirror um, for us. Um, Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, we see in a mirror dimly now, eventually we'll understand everything, but we see pieces. And James um, talks about, we look in the mirror, we can glance in the mirror and not be changed, so we can look at God's word and not be changed by it, or we can look intently at God's word and say, God, what do you want me to take from this passage? And then do something about it in response. The kind of mirror that God uses is unique. It's like a mirror we can look in a mirror and see the outside, but the scripture allows us to look inside, and he gives us a view on what is inside our hearts and where he points out something that might need correction. And when he does that, it's up to us to pray about it, to spend some time with him, and reflect on it. So what do you see? Last week we spent some time, actually a very long time, Exploring forgiveness, um, those we judge, 
those we might hold grudges against or withhold mercy and love, whose pain they inflicted, that we continue to hold against them. Does this passage bring up anything there? As we, we not only sometimes will withhold mercy from somebody, what is our attitude about how God sees us and how God might see somebody else? Are we willing to receive that he loves them? To, like the people of Nineveh, he didn't want them to be destroyed but he wanted them to turn, to know him, to be in relationship with him. I don't watch much reality TV. When it kind of became popular, I was in a workaholic stage of life. <laughs> um, so didn't, didn't do a lot then. And then in recent years, was in grad school, so just didn't have the capacity. But apparently there was, um, there was a show on, um, on TLC, a reality show of a um, Christian family that was on for many years and then some negative things came came from that and you could see some of the some of the books are coming out and people are talking who were part, who were part of that family and part of that show how God's word was used to create fear and judgment of people all around them to prejudge others um, God is there any way that I'm prejudging people I would like to say that I'm not, but I mean, until we really ask the question, um, we sometimes are the last to realize that we're doing that. Um, so we look at this parable, you know, he's, it's called the parable of the vineyard workers. You might think about it as the generous landowner, but he's only generous, depends which, which perspective you're looking at it from. If you were one of the people that came at noon or later, you'd probably think he's extremely generous. Um, the other one may not. Are they the ungrateful workers? Um, only the ones that were in the morning necessarily were those. Or maybe the shifting perspectives of the vineyard workers. But the last verse that we don't want to lose track of, or that we don't want to lose in this, is the first will be last and the last will be first. And there actually are four gospel passages that speak to this. Um, obviously the one that we're in. And the other three, one in Matthew 19, which... Um, is part of Matthew that we didn't do. We were in 18 last week and we're, um, we're in 20 here. Um, uh, but also in Mark and in Luke, the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. And, you know, Jesus, what must I do to inherit a trend? You know, I've followed all the commandments. I've done all of these things. What do I lack? Um, and Jesus says, go sell everything <laughs> that you have and give to the poor. And the man went away sad because he has many things. Um, not that God is saying that everybody needs to sell everything, but what he was calling out, what Jesus was calling out, was this person's idol. Yeah. Right? So his idol was the things that he had. Um, what are our idols? You know, are there things in our lives that we're like, you know, God, I give you everything. You know, control of everything. Just not my family. Mm -hmm. Or not my work. Or not my, whatever that thing is it's important that we pay attention to that in our Philippians passage that Chris read today Paul talks about this he says to to live is Christ to die is gain and we'll spend a whole lot more time in Philippians next week because uh, we'll be walking through that um, over the next over the next few weeks but he goes on to say above all else you must live as citizens of heaven 
conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ, then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is good news. And then he goes on to encourage them, don't be intimidated um, in any way by your, by your enemies. You've been given the privilege of trusting in Christ. We're in the struggle together. He's preaching unity and staying close to God and living as citizens of heaven, extending his grace and his mercy to others and wanting it for others. So what does all this mean for us that we share this, these perspectives and insight? Um, I just encourage you to spend some time with him reflecting this week. Um, Lord, show me, like, as you look at these passages, what do these mirrors provide? What insights that might be just interfering with your relationship, not only with others, but your relationship with God uh, and being close to him? Because sometimes when there's something that we're ashamed of or something we're holding on to, we just wall off that piece. Guys, you got the rest of this, but I got this one right mm -hmm. over, right over here to look inside. So the question that I think it would leave us all with, um, so are there people inside or outside of God's church where your desire, my desire for God's mercy on them is hindered or blocked in some way? People that we see in certain ways or judge um, out of self-righteousness. And sometimes it's out of pain. Um, but what are they? Judge not so that we won't be judged. And then second, if someone walks with Jesus their whole life um, or calls out to him on their deathbed to receive his love, um, should not all receive his full grace, not just peace, well, you were only here for this month, just his full love and grace and salvation. And if we're bothered by that, ask God why. God, search my heart. Um, search my heart. Show me, like the day laborers, the... Um, Jonah um, in there. Are there areas that we act in compassion and mercy, and this is a hard one, uh, that differ from how we act with other people or certain people? Check our motives. Who is my Nineveh? <laughs> Who's my plant? Um, where I'm generously giving mercy, but there's a contingency mm. attached to that. We want to love with a pure heart. Um, Psalm 51, and I love this, I had written this in my devotion on the way, and I listened to this lefty at 365. Um, create a new yeah. heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me, uh, a steadfast spirit. Um, and then finally, as we receive his love, we have a decision to make. Um, from Philippians, we seek unity in the body. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy mm -hmm. Um, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting for the faith, which is the good news. So he promises us his love, his mercy, his wholeness, his faithfulness, despite our circumstances. And the question that I leave us with and the decision that we have to make is, will we love like Jesus? Or will we love like Jonah? Mm. We want to love like Jesus, um, but are we, do our actions mirror the desires 
those desires as he gave us. So let's pray. God, you alone are good, and you alone are holy. God, would you please open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our mind to any way that we are prejudging others or withholding your mercy? Lord, you know in relationships things can be challenging and they can get messy and sometimes they influence the way we see people. Um, the amount of mercy that we do or don't extend or that we're even willing to see with a compassionate heart uh, or eyes. Lord, I know that you're working this in me um, as, as I stand here and we, we wrestle with some of these questions together. God, we thank you for your word that is a mirror into our hearts and into our lives. God, thank you that you show us things that we may not even see and realize, uh, but we come to you with humble hearts, grateful for your deep love, for the strength that you provide, the endurance, um, the peace, the grace. Lord, for, um, for, those, for those areas where we're still wrestling with um, hurts that have happened, where we hold grudges and we may be judging others, Lord, would you just help to loosen the hold that those things have on us, that as we receive your love and mercy and forgiveness, that it's through your power and strength that we can do any of this. Yeah. Uh, we can't do it on our own as humans. We know that we're programmed in different ways, but we know that you are a God who provides, you are a God who loves, you are a God who is gracious slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and even though sometimes we might be quick, um, we can rely on you to guide us. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this church. Lord, help us to steward it well. Help us to love like you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name.